I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. So today on the show, we have Scott Swanson, author, grafter, <laughs> and uh, bringing his own light to the world, who's been through some, some considerable, I think, changes to be the operative word there uh, Scott yeah oh definitely <laughs> so so what's going on in your world right now then uh well the biggest thing uh forefront of my energy is going towards uh I published a book uh last year um end of last year about that chronicles my journey through a 20-year pornography addiction um and how in the steps and and exercises that I took and did uh, in order to really break free from that, but not just break free, but do more in my life uh, than I ever have before. And so um, that's been at, it's, it's been a really big part of my life now, just trying to push people in the direction of an intentional life um, instead of just focusing so much on our problems and, uh, and pornography uh, specifically has been the focus of the majority of, of my work. Um, but it, it can apply to really, you know, any sort of bad habit that you have in your life. And, uh, and it's, it's been, it's been a, a fun ride for sure. And, and then just continuing to get better and, and, uh, you know, just trying to share the message with people because there's a message of hope there. Absolutely. I think we need that message right now. Hmm. Uh, I love what you said then uh, about bringing intentionality to to people. I think so often, I know myself, I was guilty, guilty of it up until probably three, four years ago of just defaulting and drifting Yeah. from one thing to the next. Yes. So uh, it's only recently that I've become aware of how powerful, I mean, that's a real powerful word, living intentionally. Um, yes. would, you, would you like to, could you explain to the audience what, your take on on that is um i mean you sort of touched on it there but like in what way would you implement or did you go about implementing that into your life i think i think having a plan is one of the biggest parts of it i think not going into life blindly you know just walking through every day just wondering what's going to happen what kinds of things am i going to do today um i i think having a I think one of the biggest parts is just having a definition for what you want a day in your life to look like. Mm. Right. And that was, that was one of the biggest things for me was just being able to actually sit down and write out, you know, what, I, what did I want a day in my life to look like? Because my, what struggles do is they cause us to, to just sit in, in all the crap, you know, just to sit in all the, the parts that are really hard in life and, um, but that doesn't have to be what defines you as a human being. And that's what I did with pornography for the majority of my life was I let that define me was I let my struggle take all the value that I, that I had and just throw it in the garbage. And so I think the first step towards living an intentional life would be to define what you want your life to look like. And and for me, it's it's what what God wants for my life as well, and 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 how He meant for this 
experience of being a being a human on earth what that is meant to to be like because i think a lot of people think that if if you believe in god i think a lot of people have this um perception that he's up there just you know telling you what you can't do and telling you you know there's all these rules and and this and that 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 really just kind of can can box you in but really what what the intention is is to live a life of peace and a life of freedom um and just a, a life where you are experiencing connection with the people around you and just loving other people um and i know i'm going a little bit on a tangent here but but definitely uh, the first step, I think, towards an intentional life, like I said before, is just defining what you want your life to look like and then making a plan of small things that you can do every day in order to get to where you're at. And uh, that can change your focus from um, only focusing on your struggles to focusing on what you are running towards in life. And it makes a huge difference in how you live each day. So that's, that's what I would say to that. Cool, man. Good answer. Um, yeah, no, so I can, I can really resonate with that. Um, when you, when you talk of, um, letting your, like the, the things defining you, is, is that what you associated to most as, as being a problem for yourself is the point? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely a big part. I mean, when, when, cause I got into pornography at a very early age and so, that has been a struggle for me for, you know, over two decades. And so when you do a a specific behavior and you go to it for as a coping mechanism, or you go to it for whatever reason you do, um, it's very easy for you to uh, allow that to seep into your heart and, and who you believe that you are and what you are capable of. And so as when I, called myself and told myself that all I am is a porn addict who just also lives a life. Like it, it caused me to devalue myself below everybody else. And I compared myself to everybody else because, you know, I, I didn't what, especially when I was younger, I didn't understand how big of a thing pornography was, or at least, at least the, the struggle with it to the capacity that I did. Um, I didn't understand that. So I felt very alone. And so, and because of that, I felt like my value was next to nothing. And so, and and that's what that label and that definition of myself did for me is it allowed me to put myself so much farther below everybody else that what do I have to offer the world? Nothing, you know, and, and how does, how does anybody see any good in me? Um, Because of that, and I think a lot of it's just, you know, the fear of what others would think of me if they knew about it. And so I never talked to anybody about it. Or or when I did, it was, you know, somebody in the church and either wherever I was at uh, mentally at the time, whether I took their advice or not. But you get a lot of shame for it when you talk about it. And um, And so just defining myself by the shame and the guilt and the label really held me back in every area of my life. It, it stopped me from growing. And, and I think I, I, it, it took until that was gone to experience what true growth and what true peace and freedom felt like. So, yeah, definitely that definition was a huge part of that. So, obviously, from a young age, I mean, 
your beliefs are formed at a young age. So you probably knew at, the, at a very young age that the uh, the poem would have been a, like viewed as bad, you know. Yeah. Um, and 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 there's things that would have been set in you that you would have known, not like not like an adult awareness that you would have known, but you would have known that it was that it was the wrong thing to do or whatever. So, yeah. at what point do you think it become conscious for you? Because I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I completely agree, and I and I get it because I, I was there with other things in my life yeah. where you talk to yourself a certain way and you tell yourself certain things about yourself. And like you said, you nailed it then when you said, then what value do I bring to the world? Yeah. And that for me is quite a key part of it because when I was uh, in, in my, in my job, I struggled to see what value I provided. But now, now I'm doing things like this and I'm talking to people like you and putting it out there. It just yeah. feels like I've got, purpose yeah so my question is at what point do you think you're that that the way that you were talking to yourself become conscious from an unconscious do you know what i mean because it would have started unconsciously and you yeah. wouldn't oh. you know I mean? so so at what point did you become mentally and consciously aware that this is what was holding you back yeah um well i always knew that porn was holding me back i didn't understand the capacity of it um, but I think it was it was probably early on last year when I I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, from a mastermind community that I'm in, um, and he was talking about his daughters. And I talk about this story in the book, but he was talking about his daughters, and and they he everybody tells him, you know, wait till they're teenagers. It's going to be really hard when they're teenagers. Just wait. You know, you're in for a treat. And so, and he told me that him and his wife decided that, yeah, maybe it's going to be hard, but we're going to spend less of our energy worrying about what might come to be and what, and instead focus that energy on what we wanted to teach our kids instead. And, and the line that he said was, what you focus your mind on is what is going to come to be. And so I think that like between that and just my, my morning habit of, of connecting with God, it kind of clicked in my head was like, wow, I am, I am focused on all of the wrong things here. And, and one of those things was that label. And I realized how that was when I became aware of what I was doing to myself when I was uh, subscribing myself and defining myself by my label instead of defining myself by the strengths and gifts that I have in the things that God has given me in my life. And, um, and so I needed to stop focusing so much on my problem and focus on what my true definition was and what is what definition for my life is what will propel me forward. And that's when, when the, the awareness of, and, and me starting to be careful with how I was believing or what I was believing about myself. And once you, once you can move past the, you know, that, that label and kind of give it less value and starve it a little bit, then you can really start to see that, that everybody has value. 
You know, you have value, Joel. Everybody who's listening to this has value right now where you are sitting, no matter how you feel. And it's just a matter of tapping into that and being able to understand that. But what gets in the way is all of the negative things that we believe about ourselves and the, and the limiting beliefs, you know, that, that are holding us back. So, yeah, I think the, end, the beginning of last year is when I became aware. And that's also about the time that I was able to break free from it and go through these steps. Um, and, and yeah, so it's been life changing for me. Do you think it's crazy, um, as men, how we're, um, we're conditioned to believe certain things and we're told certain things as young children growing up, you know, be a man, suck it up and all the rest of the macho stuff. Mm -hmm. But what set you free was being vulnerable to another man. Mm -hmm. Not incredible. You know, we don't, we don't. See, I, I feel really strong, strongly about this because as, as, as men, we're not taught this. We're not shown this. I mean, my father's old school. I mean, he's, he's coming around to the idea and he listens and takes everything on board. You know, so he's, but the fact to be able to open up to another man and tell him you, you re, not, not just best mates. I mean, like there's people in these mastermind groups that you talk about and mm-hmm. you can have deep, deep conversations with, you know, that you probably wouldn't have with best friends. I mean, I've had some real deep conversations with people in America who I've never seen, never know, you know, really known that my friends will never know. Yeah. You know? And it's, I just think it's incredible. The, the gift of vulnerability, I would can set you free because that's what set me free was being vulnerable to a group of men in the mastermind environment. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and even the first time you and I talked, it was, you know, several months ago, like I had never met you before, but I knew that, that you were from, like you were in a circle of people that were like-minded that, that, you know, are, are about pushing forward in life and, and not holding things back. And, and so I got, you quickly disarmed my, any sort of defense mechanism that I had of like, I can't be open with this person. And I opened up to you. I told you about this struggle then. Mm. And, and we had a very good conversation just about each other's lives. And, you I know, know I was on a podcast that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's amazing if we can just let our guard down a little bit, yeah. understand that vulnerability is not weakness and that it's actually an essential part of life. And whether you believe in, in vulnerability as a positive thing or not, we are all vulnerable in our lives in some way, you know, whether it's trying to initiate sex with your wife or, you know, that's a vulnerable position because you set yourself up to, to potentially be rejected. And yeah. so vulnerability is all around us. And if we can embrace it, it doesn't make it any easier a lot of the times. Um, but I feel like when you are open and vulnerable about your struggles, it shines a light on them. And it also invites other people into that world and it gives them permission to be vulnerable with you. And I think when two people are able to be vulnerable and understanding of each other and come at it from a, from a, a stance of, you know, um, mutual uh, thought of like, I want to just share this with you. And I know that it's a, it's a safer place that I'm not going to get, you know, ripped apart. I think that's where healing can happen. And I honestly think that that's where change can happen. And that's where the most meaningful change happens. And so, yeah, definitely it's strange that, that that's what we're conditioned to believe. And yet, if that's the only way you run through life, 
you know, less change can happen and, and less success for the things that you want to implement in your life, you know, and, and just your willingness to give up if it's just all in your head, you know, cause that puts you by yourself and, and we aren't meant to do life alone. We were made for community and vulnerability is part of that and establishing relationships that, that are deeper and, and meaningful. So definitely. Absolutely. I like the part in the book where you, uh, you mentioned about um, some of the excuses you give. Uh, you, I, it was quite early on. You mentioned, I can't remember what it was. No, one is like, I want to last longer. Mm-hmm. Um, one is I'm frustrated or something. And there was another two. I can't remember what they were. <laughs> but I, I know personally I've used two of those. And uh, it, it, it just resonated because it was like, it's almost like you were in my head. And I thought, yeah, I've used, <laughs> you know, they, they, they were excuses. And I even mentioned it to the wife. I said, listen to this and I read it out and she went yeah I said I've, I've said that she said yeah I know you have and she so, so I was like oh yeah um so then you've got to reprocess that original belief of you know I, I I'm doing it to last longer when we do make love or you know I was frustrated or my you know, my balls were aching right whichever one it might be you know <laughs> but the, the the deeper thing right that most people <clears throat> well you will certainly understand is a conversation that goes along with that. And you, you touch on it later on then, and you, and you say how it leads to conversations about sex with your wife. Mm-hmm. Now, how many people actually have conversations about sex with their wife? You know, I just think, could you, could you explain a little bit more, what, uh, like maybe what happened for yourself or how you experienced it or how it manifested yeah. for you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and excuses are just in some of those those things like, you know, I'm a big one is, is I'm a man. I need a release, right? I'm a, I'm a man. I am hardwired to release every two days. And if there's, if there's no, if that's not available through my wife, then I have to go to something else. Right. And I think that's a common perception. And we tell ourselves that a lot. It's like, holy cow, it's been so long. Um, how can I survive? You know, and, and yes, it's not fun to, to go without sex for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it is. It's, there's nothing fun about it, but you're not going to die. And so, but yeah, those, those excuses, what we do with our, with our, with our bad habits is we seek to find anything that we can to help us feel better about doing that. Right? Like I want to last longer in bed. Therefore I'm looking at porn and masturbating because I want to please my wife better. Instead of going to my wife and saying, hey, I would love to connect with you on a deeper way. And I understand that sex and and physical intimacy is a big part of that. What can we do to get to a point where where we are experiencing a connection through through sex? You know, and and that can open up a conversation that you can that you can have with with your spouse or whoever you're with and 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 get it, gain an understanding instead of just using that as an excuse to, to, to deal with your coping mechanism and make it okay in your mind. Um, yes, I, I'm not saying that my sex life is perfect. I'm not saying that my sex life is even, you know, like it's, it's fairly, you know, we're not having sex every day. Right. And getting rid of pornography did not solve that problem, but what happens when you remove a crutch is you have to deal with it some way. 
Otherwise you are going to go back to that crutch. Right. And so the same thing goes with like, let's say you're numbing your stress with alcohol or you're numbing it with something else. And stress is a huge trigger for pornography too. And so if you no longer have that as your option, you have to figure out a better way. And, and a lot of people go to other negative coping mechanisms for it. Or you can, you can come up with a plan and come up with a way that you can start dealing with those things in a more positive manner. And I think that having uncomfortable conversations is never fun. Talking about sex with your spouse is never fun. And, you know, I mean, never is a, a strong word, but in a lot of cases, talking about sex is uncomfortable at the very least. But being uncomfortable, I, I heard a quote recently, and I've, I've said this a lot of times, is, is discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life, right? And, and that's something that I've been learning over the last several months is, like, is just understanding that, that all good things, all positive change, all healing comes from being uncomfortable. And so what we do is we try to fast track discomfort, right? And, and, and what is the fastest way that I can get to feeling better or, or not as uncomfortable? And what we do is we go to coping mechanisms like, like pornography to deal with that. And so being able to sit a little bit in your discomfort and understand and almost be grateful for it, like this is, I'm uncomfortable. Fantastic. That means I'm doing something meaningful. That means something that something in my heart is going on. And this is an opportunity for me to either sink or swim. And I'm going to choose to swim and I'm going to choose to grow from it. Then you start seeing lessons in your discomfort and you can see that, that, that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that you will be stronger and better for it in the end. And so, yes, having conversations about sex is uncomfortable. But guess what? If you don't ask, if you don't bring it up, if you don't change something or do something different, it's always going to stay the same. You know, and, and honestly, pornography, whether you can admit it or not, whether people can admit it or not, it has an effect on your sexual relationship, whether that's through fantasies in your subconscious or, or in your, your conscious thoughts. And it is, it is likely taking away from a true connection. And, and that's something I've experienced since getting rid of it is that I can now see my wife in a way that I never have before. And I can experience connection with her in a way that I never thought I could. And it's not like we had a poor sex life before. We still, it was awesome before, but now it's tenfold that. And so um, I know I'm going really long winded on this one and have kind of gone all over the place, but but yeah, so that that's a little bit of an elaboration on that. So okay, okay. So you mentioned it about stopping, uh, eventually seeing the light and um, coming to that point of change. Mm-hmm. What do you think holds people back at that point? What do you think holds them at the point of non-change? I think it's just trying to be comfortable. We get so comfortable in our routines, and I'm I am a man of routine. You can ask my wife. I am so into routines and uh i love when i know what's going to happen and so when things when a curveball gets thrown at me or i you know get uncomfortable or there's a conflict 
I default or I, in the past, I have defaulted to do whatever will make me more comfortable. And whether that's not having a conversation, whether that's just letting things, you know, or numbing things so that I don't have to feel them. Um, I think that's what gets people caught up is, is there's a mantra out there in our world right now um, that's just do what makes you happy, right? You hear it all the time. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to find what makes you happy. And I think that that's a flawed way of thinking. I think that's a way that, um, I think that's a way that people, it slows down growth because if you're constantly seeking to be happy, what happens when you're not happy? What do you do? You just try to get to happiness as quick as you can. But if you fast track that, you're missing out on on every opportunity to learn something and every opportunity to grow in a certain way. And so um, I think the endless pursuit of happiness is not a good mantra for life. Seeking fulfillment and seeking connection and seeking um, love, you know, or or even just just something deeper um, and something bigger than you will bring you happiness at times yes but it's not it's not the end all be all it's not the goal you know and and i think that 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 can trickle down into into every aspect of your life if you're a parent if you're you know at your job you know it's it's not all about your personal happiness because there's other people in the world you know and and uh just kind of redefining what you're seeking and searching for might help with with breaking through a barrier that you have um, because you're not just always trying to get back to status quo or, or get back to happiness. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's a big part of what holds people back. Yeah, I agree. I think we uh, equate happiness to comfort and that's where we get stuck. It's, yes. Uh, yes. Cause I would ask that's, I know that's, and the other thing is um, it, it, it doesn't equate like you basically what you've just said, because you think happiness comes through comfort, but ultimately at some point in your life, you'll have an awareness that you're unfulfilled, which you also mm-hmm. just touched on. And this is what yeah. this story from personal experience. Um, and then you need to, like you said, I, exactly, I did exactly what you said. I put a plan in place and then looked how I could get there. Yeah. But it took, it took big, it took little actions over time to change the habits, but like, big they were big changes you know yeah um, if you look at where they were compared to where they are they, they were big changes but uh, yeah i agree it's um it's it's the fulfillment thing doesn't i don't think i i don't think it's talked about enough um yeah we uh, can, can we go back to when you're like in school like yeah um so what was your schooling like do you think um your schooling so sort of not prompted anything, but sort of what was your, what was your background in school? Like, you know, what, what went on in school? What stories? Yeah. I, mean? I, I, when I think about being in school, it's a, it's a good mix of just a lot of fun and uh, just doing, just doing crazy stuff. But there's a mix of, of awesomeness. And then there's also a, a mix of a lot of wasted energy on, worrying about pleasing other people. Okay. So I have a a story that's an example of this. And that is that I had three older brothers, right? 
And so very, I mean, I love my brothers and, and each one of them is, is very special to me. And the, the two directly above me, when they went through high school, they both won homecoming King. And that's just like, you know, I don't know if it's a, it's a little bit of like a popularity thing. It's a little bit about like, you know, how nice people are to other people, people that are respected and, and are, you know, just overall good people. Um, and so when I got into high school, I had this expectation put on myself and also a little bit from other people that like, oh, are you going to, to be the trilogy? Are you going to do this? And, and honestly, for the first three years of my high schooling, that's what I was, that was my goal was like, I, well, I got to be nice to everybody. I got to say everything to please everybody. I need to live my life in a way that's going to make everybody happy so that I can get this ultimate reward of being homecoming king, which is now looking back on it. Yeah, cool thing, like awesome. But is that is that what the goal should have been? And when I and ultimately lost and did not win that, I had a crisis on my hands in my own head. It was like, what did I do? What What have I been doing the last two years? And what was the goal for that? Mm. And like... And I realized that I spent so much energy pleasing people that I, that I didn't need to be doing that for. And, and I think that that has, has been a valuable lesson since then that I can live my own life and, and I can live, I didn't understand it then. And even I didn't really understand it up until now that the opinions of other people aren't as important as what I hold in my heart right? And my values that I want to live by. Um, but I had never defined that back then. I had never written down anything about who I wanted to be or who I was. Um, and that's been something that I've done when I've undergone this, you know, change with getting rid of pornography. And that was a huge part of it. But since then, since I, I published the book, you can't publish a book about breaking free from pornography and and really have like pull your value in life from what other people say because there's so many different opinions out there there's jokes there's you know everybody has a different reaction to it and um so what i've been what i a big lesson i've been learning and even me just being on podcasts and and talking about my story in the public eye about my struggle with pornography i've i've decided that i'm just no longer uh, my goal in life is not to please other people that's not my goal my goal is to help other people heal and help other people change in the way in the areas that they want to right and in pornography specifically but i think that's a huge lesson from my schooling and and a good good lesson in life just in general and that's that's probably one of the greatest stories of of crisis in school for me and it sounds so trivial and it sounds so like now that i'm older it's like why was that so important to me but that's what everybody around me, all my peers expected of me. And so um, if I had known back then that I didn't have to please anybody, you know, I, I would have gone through life a little bit differently and I would have, you know, probably come out of high school a different person. But ultimately, that's how I ended up where I'm at now. And so I don't like to think about regrets in my past, but if I were to do it all over again, I would probably change that. So so I don't know if anything stemmed from that, like with, with my struggles, but definitely some really good lessons as I look back 
in retrospect on my life, that was probably one of the biggest ones that I wish I would have understood a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, you sound like you've, uh, you've already reflected. Not a, a lot of people don't reflect um, uh, and, and go inward. And uh, right. being able to reflect and go inward is, 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 for me, has been the key to moving forward, <laughs> oddly yes. enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I like that answer. <laughs> okay. Um, so, could we fast forward a few years into the future? Yeah. To another, so maybe, I don't know, after, after that crisis of school, to another time of great change in your life. And what stories and emotions does that evoke for you? Oh, man. There's been a few critical moments. Um, when it comes to emotions, like when I think about these scenarios, it always is overwhelmed, you know, stressed, uncomfortable, like scared maybe. Um, those are some emotions that come to mind when I think of times of great change. And I think it's so funny because we already touched on this, but like when you're feeling a little bit of that, when it comes to an area of your life, being able to see that as, whoa, something's, something's about to happen, you know, like, um, and that's something that moving forward that I'm starting to get better at, at, uh, at understanding, um, there's been a few times our, we, we had a dog, my wife and I had a dog, um, that was, that I got before we actually got married, but it was kind of our kid, you know, it was, it was, before we had kids, this, this dog was our kid and we loved him so much and, and, uh, sparing the details, he, he died fairly tragically under some strange circumstances. And, and, and because of that, we, my wife and I were a little bit in disagreements about, you know, how to move forward in our life. And, um, and we, we were grieving very differently from it. And I, that's, you know, something we, we tried to understand is that each of us had our own way of grieving and we needed to be respectful of that. Um, but from this came one of the greatest changes in our marriage because we either had to, we could give up, on each other and, and allow ourselves to fall back and to, to pull away from each other and to not, um, not continue to move forward with each other, or we could make a change in our marriage that would allow us to lay a foundation for the future and to lay a foundation for future, um, obstacles and future, um, you know, roadblocks. And we made that change and, and, it, and it was, you know, really just spending time, making it a habit to spend time connecting with each other and also just developing a faith um, in God that, that we both could um, hang our hats on. And so before this, we were sort of just drifting through life together, you know, watching TV at night, sitting on the couch after we get home from work and we were just kind of drifting through life, partying here and there and and just kind of not, not doing much with what we were with, with our lives. And, and, um, and I think that this defining moment changed that for us because we were able to connect in a new way and understand that, yes, life is going to get really hard. And, and if you're in your first years of marriage, like you understand that, that this, you know, even when you're not in your first years of marriage, there's things that are just absolutely shaking to your world and being married is really hard. Um, but, but 
through that change, we were able to, to push ourselves forward in a totally different way um, that was more intentional with each other, that was more understanding of each other and being able to come, come to the table, even if we're going to disagree, but come to the table with a mutual respect for each other and an understanding that we're both, we're both on our own individual journeys and that, that we need to you know, respect each other in that way. And so that changed our marriage but the the emotions before that overwhelmed, stressed, uncomfortable, like when we were going through this dark time, like all of those feelings were there, and it sucked but But guess what comes out the other end? you know if you're willing to stick through it and you're willing to sit down and and even if you know you're going to fight but but you just know that you need to sit down because you are you're in it together, and um I think that was a huge changer for us. Um, that's one of the, the stories of great change in our life and um, and really just shaped where we are and the foundation we have in our marriage now. That's cool, man. So how do you see emotions now when they when those emotions arise now? Oh, I try my best um, to just give myself a breath, you know, and as long as I am not going to die in this moment, mm. you know, strength can be had from it. And so it's it's easier said than done. My default, I am very much a peacemaker on every single personality test that I take. I I like to keep the peace, right? And so I naturally tend to go away from conflict. And so, and I think that that's a lot of people. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but like, I'm trying to get better at understanding that that conflict, as long as you are in, like in it together and have a mutual understanding that, Hey, we're in this together. There's going to be conflict, accepting that conflict will happen. You know, you can embrace that a little bit and understand that, that this is a, a, a place to grow. And this is a very common theme in our conversation right now, but like, I'm trying to get better at, at recognizing that that pit in my stomach that I get um, is a, is a sign f- that something meaningful is happening, you know, and, and, and that has moved me towards being more grateful in my life for, for struggle and being able to understand that that's essential to the human experience. If you want to experience it in a way that's, that's more meaningful. Um, I mean, you can gladly just float through life. A lot of people do, and, and, and maybe that's, that's fine for them, you know, but that's not fine for me. And so it doesn't work for me. And so trying to get better at that has been, has been tough, but I'm, I think I'm getting a little bit better, you know, each and every day. And, um, you know, eventually I hope to, to really master that. I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, well, I know for me personally, it's work in progress. It's something that's constantly, you know, it's, uh, yeah. And I hope, I hope I never get comfortable. You made me think just now when you were saying about, being comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And they're the same. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I thought, I wonder what would happen if I become comfortable with being uncomfortable. What would that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I'm not uncomfortable enough. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, I want to, another thing you mentioned in the book, which I I resonated with again, was this, um, it's easy to get stuck in a victim mindset and blame everyone else. Mm. So, how, how did you get awareness of the victim mindset 
and being stuck because it's quite a, for, I know for myself, it was quite a switch, but I can't really put my finger on what caused the switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, that's a hard one to put your finger on for sure. Um, but it, it's life changing if you can get out of it. Like any time that you are, if, if you're just thinking about your thoughts, like if you're aware of your thoughts and you can hear your own inner monologue and how you're talking and, and that takes a little time to, to create that, you know, to, to really think about what you're thinking about, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, it does. But anytime you're in a point of discomfort or, or you feel like there's a behavior that is caused by somebody else, and this is even just like being angry, you know, getting angry. A lot of times we just blame it on our kids. Like my kid is making me angry. Anytime you're saying that some sort of external thing is making you do something, you know, you're the one with the buttons, right? And you're the one that that is that has the behavior, the common denominator in, in everything. Um, all of your struggles is you, right? And, and this is talked a lot about. I've heard, you know, many people talk about this is, is the common denominator in all of your struggles is you, right? And so being able to, to try to switch from, I mean, it even comes like in, in my pornography journey, a lot of times I'd blame it on society. I'd blame it on, you know, the person that posted all their friends in their bikinis on their boat, you know, or whatever, like all these like I'd blame it like, oh man, this person is, is doing this, right? And it's causing me to stumble and it's causing me to fall back into a habit that I don't want to have in my life. But once I was able to realize that this is all on me, then it gave me back the control in my life, you know, and being able to, hey, I'll just unfollow that person, nothing on them, but this is something that I really want for my life. So I'm going to unfollow them. So I don't see that anymore, that type of thing. And it's honestly like, this is where a lot of the blaming comes in is when you're thinking about your triggers for your bad behaviors, because you blame it on my, my spouse just won't have sex with me. Therefore I'm going to go look at porn. That's going to be my source of release. It's going to be my source of, of sexual gratification because of my wife. But, but how did you get to the point where your wife won't have sex with you anymore? You know, like what part of that are you, can you own and understand that, hey, maybe it's because I'm not loving her in a way that she receives or that she naturally receives or that makes her feel special, you know, or maybe I'm just a total jerk, you know, or maybe I've, you know, let myself go or, or you know, there's all these things. But being able to look at every situation, even just a small conflict with like a disagree disagreement with your spouse or with a coworker or something like that. Something that I was told and, and we, we went through some premarital counseling. One of the biggest lessons I've ever learned in our marriage was that every, in every disagreement, look for your piece of the pie you can own, you know? And if you just take that into your life, like what can I own here? You know, cause there's two sides to everything. But, but being able to do that regularly, and, and my wife and I do that, you know, we apologize for the things that, that we, no matter how right we think we are, right, we like to look at what part we can own and that's what we apologize for. And so that's another, another trick to being able to get out of the victim mindset is just constantly be looking for what part of situations you can own. And the majority of the time, the majority of it is you, you know, and so control what you can and 
But as for like awareness, I think it just takes some practice. I think you just need to have like, you know, what part of my day can I own? Just, just, or at the end of the day, have like a little like time of, of journaling or something like, Hey, what parts of this day did not go well? And what part of that can I own? And the more you practice it, the better you get. And then you can start doing it on the fly. And, um, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it does, man. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, no, I, uh, I tend to do that. I tend to take pause. Uh, something that helped me was, uh, one of the coaches on the, one of the, the masterminds I was on, uh, Nick Donado. He came up with, um, E plus R equals O. So event plus response equals the outcome. Mm. And that's my, that was my biggest takeaway from the, from the mastermind personally, uh, and had the biggest impact because at the time I was very reactive with my eldest son. Yeah. I was looking to form deeper, deeper relationship with him. Um, but I was giving it all. He does this, he does that. And then at some point, you know, sometimes you hear the same information over and over and it doesn't go in. And yeah. then the millionth time someone says it and it goes in, you think, oh, oh, I've never <laughs> heard that before. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, it really freed me and understanding, like you said, uh, about the remote control, you're the one, you, people say, oh, he's pressing my buttons, but it's your remote. You know, yeah. why, why let that person press your buttons? And, mm-hmm. and, and what does it mean? This is what I like to dig into with, with people is, you know, understanding how when they say, like, exactly like you said, um, he's doing this or he's doing that okay. and then taking ownership and seeing, well, okay, so why, you know, what about what he did is making me angry? Uh, yeah. and what can I do to not be angry? But yep. we don't seem, we're not, we don't default that way. It's weird. I don't yeah. know why we're set that way, but we don't default that way. <laughs> it's uh why, why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think we're not, we default that way? Any ideas? <laughs> I I think it just makes us feel better about ourselves when it's somebody else's fault, right? Like that's a lot of times like our minds are wired for self-preservation. So whatever whatever makes us less at fault or less risk of punishment or less risk of of uh you know the the outcome being negative for us, you know, the better. And so we cast blame on other people for our stuff because it frees us. It frees us to feel good about ourselves. It frees us to, to be right in our own minds. And that's, that's, it's an easy thing to do. It's the easiest path to take, you know, but whether it's the right one or not, that's up to you. Um, but if you're struggling in your life with your relationships, definitely something to consider, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think ego's got anything to do with that? Oh yeah, I think that's the source. Yeah, <laughs> an unhealthy ego is is the source of that. Yeah, so. I agree. Okay, so could you tell me a story about something that has amazed you? Oh, I have so many <laughs> that have amazed me in my life from from places to people. Um. I'll give you a quick story that has to do with uh, my journey with pornography. Um, I've been absolutely amazed at the support that you can receive when you are open about your struggles. Every day I am just in awe and I'm talking about primarily my wife, right? So I didn't tell her about this when we got married. I didn't tell her about it when we were dating 
And honestly, I think if I just would have shared it with her, she would have been, and maybe at various parts of our relationship, it would have been, you know, less accepted and less supportive. But I think we've done a really good job at laying a foundation. Like I was saying before, laying a foundation in our marriage that, that really hard things don't shake us at the core. I think they shake our daily circumstances, you know, and, and some of our reaction or like our interactions with each other, but not at the core. And just her acceptance of me, uh, regardless of my flaws and regardless of, you know, the struggles that I endure through and just my, you know, I'm, I'm not anything special. You know, I'm just a dude that ha- that is, that is struggling through life just like the rest of us. And, and I got nothing figured out. You know, I, I'm working towards a lot of different things and I've made some really good progress in a lot of areas, but just like everybody else, I'm trying to figure this life out. I'm trying to figure out marriage. I'm trying to figure out being a dad. Just my my wife's ability to stand next to me um, and be able to support me is nothing short of amazing to me, to be honest with you. And in along with that, just a lot of the other people in my life, I think that we, when it comes to our struggles and sharing them, a lot of times we don't share them because we're scared that we're going to get rejected by people. And we're going to lose our feeling of acceptance and belonging with where we are at right now. But I think that a lot of times, depending on, you know, your circle of friends or your, or your relationships and where they are, I think a lot of times that's a total false perception. And I think that just getting things out of our head and into the world is more amazing than we can believe. Um. And so just the amount of support and, and the amount of people that are willing to talk to me about it, I think is also amazing to me. Um, I've seen a lot of crazy transformations since I've started uh, working with men with pornography, like just one, one man. Um, he was so into pornography that he was forgetting to turn lights off in his house, close cupboards, like, and those are bad habits that I, I have a hard time with the cupboards too, but like it was, it was affecting his life on a very deep level and being able to talk with him through it and his, his dedication to, um, to change and his dedication to, to do life a little bit differently. Um, and his transformation that now he's, you know, several hundred days free from pornography. He, his relationship with his wife is amazing. And, and he's shared his struggle openly to large groups of people. And like, that's the kind of stuff that's amazing to me right now. And so I guess those are a few stories of things that just really have blown me away, you know, and just the, uh, yeah, that's like, it. Like, I, I could go on all day with, with the amazing <laughs> things because that's what I'm focused on now is, is trying to see what's amazing in the world. And I love that question because you know, it just allows me to reflect even deeper instead of just, you know, through this, getting rid of pornography, I've been able to just change my mind to see the amazing things in the world and the amazing people in the world. And instead of just focusing on all the crap and and divisiveness in the world and just the craziness. So I love talking about amazing things. (laughs) Yeah, me too. It's, uh, it's freeing and it's reassuring. Yes, uh, and like you said, it's a message of hope, and that's exactly what it gives. Yes, um, yeah, I think our 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 TVs need a need an overhaul. Um, 
<laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. So, uh, do, do you do just out of curiosity? Do you watch still watch the news or anything? Nope. No. Never. I mean, <laughs> whatever pops up that my friends share on Facebook, I'll see it. You know, and 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 maybe I'm becoming ignorant a little bit to what's going on in the world, but um, you know, I I try to to. It's just such a mess, you know, and and that's what they report on is is really just the things that it if you leave an hour long programming of news and you just feel drained you know and you feel like you have no hope in the world you feel like there's there's nothing but bad out there it's time to turn off the tv you know like get your news elsewhere or you know i don't at least for a time but yeah we rarely turn our tv on well we have movie nights on fridays which we'll do tonight which is which is always fun but no, we we do not watch the news every night um, because it's just deflating. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. We're the same. Um, oh my God, my dad's telling me all the time, you should be watching the news. There's stuff going on. You need to know. And I'm like, why? What, what can I possibly do with so-and-so doing that to so-and-so? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, if someone else was going to say that, I forgot what I was going to say. It's gone. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> then my dad had a, a, a mind blank. Um, there's something else I wanted to touch on that you mentioned as well. Oh, that was it. Once you have broken free and your strength to resist becomes stronger, then perhaps introducing some of those things or people back into your life may be an option. Sure. New, the last part sort of alludes to it with regards to people, but can you tell us, um, expand on that a little bit? Like, what 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 was going on in that in that part of the the book? Can you remember what the? Yeah, yeah. When when writing that part, I think it was the, um, you know, there are, there are triggers in your life too that are you know stress is a big one, and I think for a time when you're trying to have meaningful change, you really need to look at, you know, if stress is your trigger, like being able to simplify your life for a time so that you can get through that survival phase of of changing that those habits and once you're once you're into new and more positive habits you know putting yourself into into some of those stressful situations again might you know whether it's like um trying to think of a good example of that like maybe maybe if you let's say you take on a bunch of stuff you take on a bunch of projects and you you kind of get overwhelmed and that stresses you out and that triggers you to to go to a coping mechanism or a bad habit to deal with that stress and you remove some of those stressors for a while so that you can really get a handle on, on implementing good habits in the future to deal with your stress, you know, then maybe there's a time where you can take on that same load of, of stress, but you are handling it far better. And, and when it comes to people, you know, maybe there's, there's a friend that really is uh, toxic to you and, and, I mean, and we're getting into the victim mindset there too, but like, but you, you understand that there are relationships that, that just are not pushing you forward. They're, they're like, like the saying goes, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, you know, and, and maybe if once you refine your circle, a little bit of people, you know, there, there's a time where you can be out there helping to lift people up. And there's a time that you need to focus on lifting yourself up first because it's a lot easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. And so 
if, if you are in like, I'll use porn for the example here. So if you are, if your circle of friends is constantly talking about porn, constantly ogling at the waitresses and, and talking about, you know, what it would be like to go have sex with this person talking about their, their fantasies outside of their marriage and things like that. If that's the kind of people you're hanging around with, that's what's going to infiltrate into your heart and it's not going to be as, as easy or it's not going to be, it's going to put up several more roadblocks for you in your recovery from pornography, right? Same thing with alcohol. If you're hanging around with, with people that are drinking all the time and you're spending time in bars and things like that, like, yes, that's going to be an obstacle for you. And down the line, once you have, you've, you've broken free from that and you have developed new habits to deal with your stress, it might, it might be okay to go and hang out with those guys because that's not going to affect you in the same way because some of those relationships you've maybe had for 20, 30 years and like, like being able to, to rekindle that friendship might be something that you really want to do. And, and oftentimes you realize that your life is better without them. However, there are, there are, times where, you know, and, and I, I stopped drinking too in the last year and like, yes, going, going to a bar would have been a little bit difficult for me. Like my struggle with alcohol wasn't as, as large as my struggle with pornography. It was just something that I just didn't feel like I was helping me in my life. So I decided to drop it. Um, Wasted. yeah. And, and so I, I, but now I can go and I can hang out. I could go hang out in a bar and, and not even care if I didn't grab a beer. You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about reintroducing old triggers. I'm not saying that you can go and, and look at, you know, if, if you're struggling with porn, there might never be a time where you can go and, and, and go to a strip club, like, nor would you probably want to, you know, but, um, but there are times where you can, you know, if you're breaking free from porn and the movies that you watch are constantly showing nudity and sex scenes and things like that. And, and just being a little bit more cautious, like, yes, it's, it, as you are stronger down the line, if you see a movie like that, it might not have as big of an impact on you. And I'm not saying dive into that as a habit and as that, as your source of, of, of entertainment going forward. But if you happen to stumble across it, it might not be as, um, have as big of an impact on you, but still being careful about that. And I think that a lot of relapses happen when people try to introduce some of those things back in too early and I think that that a relapse is a good indication that, hey, maybe I, need to steer the, I need to stay the course for a longer time. Um, and maybe I just need to never come back into this trigger ever again. So they can be useful in that way. Yeah, I like that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So can you tell me, looking into the future, what's the craziest and most exciting thing you would be experiencing? Ah, this one's fun. Um, I eventually with, with my work with pornography, I would, the craziest and coolest thing for me would be to be working with youth. Um, because like they say, you know, the best, best, um, the best thing is prevention instead of intervention. I, some, somewhere along that line, you know, and, and right now, because I'm so fresh off of my, my own recovery and things like that, I feel like I, I'm, I'm going to utilize this time right now to help men that were also struggling, you know? And, and I think that that's extremely important and it, it, it's, it changes a family dynamic. It changes, it changes everything. 
craziest thing for me would be to be speaking in like speaking at youth conferences about how to define who you are and and how to how to find your true source of value in God and and how that can be a natural defense to some of these, you know, bad habits and things that you can get caught up in very easily and on accident. And so um, I think that that would be the craziest, most exciting thing for me would be to be speaking at, at youth events like that. Cool, man. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent stuff. So where can my audience uh, find you and on what platforms? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find my book uh, on Amazon. Just search Stop Running Away, uh, maybe Stop Running Away book. Um, and my name is Scott Swanson. And so um, it's the one with the, the gray cover with the chain on it. Um, fairly cheap. So you can grab that. It's a super short read. It's about 45 pages. There are some exercises in there that, that hopefully will take you a little bit of time to go through so that you can really reflect on what you're doing. Um, but you can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook. You can just search for stop running away. And we have a, a community page, um, that I, I do my best to, to, um, post, you know, content on there. Otherwise on Instagram, you can find me at stop running away mindset. Um, and you can also email me if you want to, uh, with any questions or if you just want to get something off your chest or, or if you share a struggle that you have, um, I don't have a, a I don't care to, uh, just hear people's struggles. Like I don't do that just so that I can hear, I don't have some sort of fantasy with people's struggles. <laughs> I just, know that sharing your struggle with somebody can lead to healing. And so if you have anything that you need to get off your chest, um, as long as you're not in the middle of a criminal investigation on you, I would love to hear from you. Um, you can email me at stop running away mindset at gmail.com. Um, so that's where you can find me uh, at the moment, at least. And that, that may, may change down the line, but definitely right now that's where you can find me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Have you got yeah. a shed load of, uh, are the podcast lined up? You, uh... um, I I have a few more lined up, um, and and hopefully more because I mean it's a little bit hard sometimes. People are just won't touch the topic. Um, otherwise, you know, it it's hard sometimes to to get out there. But I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of friends, you know, and and people like you, Joel, that I've connected with that also have podcasts, and and I think the the more the more I do it, the better I get. And the, the better I get at actually, you know, at, you know, allowing somebody to want to share my message. And so, um, you know, God's in control of this endeavor and, and he'll, he'll bring whatever, whatever my way. And, and I'm just going to continue to move forward and, and try to try to share the message with as many people as I can. So I appreciate you so much for having me on Joel and being able to being willing to talk about this in the first place um, because it's something that needs to be talked about more. And so I, I honestly, I appreciate you a lot, um, for, for having me on and just this conversation has been so awesome and I just really appreciate you. And I, I love what you're doing here. Thank you, man. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I love your honesty. Uh, you know, you're a very, uh, honest, amiable guy. As you, like you said earlier on, we, uh, we, we struck it off pretty good and I felt the same way, uh, when we first connected. Yeah. So I think uh, if anybody was to reach out with you, I think they'd struggle not to find an affinity with you, you know? 
Right. So that's what so, I hope for. Yeah, absolutely, man. We just got to keep plowing. Just you know, yep. this this doesn't stop. It keep doesn't. It. Keep keep smashing away, like. Yes. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time today. Um, really appreciate having you on. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I hope you did too. Indeed. I did, Joel. Thank you so much. Cool, man. Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's stay in touch and uh, follow the journey. Absolutely, brother. Okay. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. What's the plan now? Uh, I'll, I'll cut it there, uh, Scott. Okay. Um, cool. Thank you so much for that. I much appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was good to get into some of that because uh, I love some of the stuff that you were saying. It resonated with me. In Yeah. With regard to porn, I can apply it to drink. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 very much so. But, uh, yeah, I like the way you write as well. You've got a nice, easy going way. You know, it's easy to it's easy to read. You know, it's not. Uh, yeah, well, and like what I've been getting, like feedback like that, I've been getting a lot of that. Is like this just feels like a dude sitting next to me talking to me. <laughs> you know, it's not like some psychiatrist who's done all the research and things like that. It's far more relatable, which is, which is a side effect I didn't understand when I wrote it. So I'm happy that that's how, how you're taking it as well. And um, I just hope, you know, that's, I like it. So thanks for sharing that with me. And I'm, I'm happy you're grabbing some stuff, you know, in your own life and being able to relate to it. And that's uh that's helpful to know. Cool, man. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to grab the links off you where, uh, uh, for your, I, I I know I sent oh, you. Yeah, yeah. It's just I'll, I'll put everything on the on the end of the pitch, uh, okay. on the end of the podcast anyway. So it'll be linked in iTunes and on uh, Shout Engine, and then okay. I, I post on Facebook as well. Then okay, so it'll be tagged in there. Um, yeah. Oh, can I can I ask you to recommend um, a book uh, other than you know, other than your own uh, or podcast that has impacted you on your journey? Um, the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Okay. It's, uh, all about vulnerability and how it can change your life. And so that's been a holy crap book for me. I definitely recommend that. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Okay. I've heard, I've heard that name and I have never read a book. Is it, is it a guy or a woman? It's a woman. It's a woman. She's got some, she's got some Ted talks too. So if you ever were, were just interested in, she talks about this too. It's, it's interesting stuff. So if you wanted to just spend 20 minutes watching a video and if that piques your interest, then grab the book, but absolutely. Okay. So what's the plan now then? Uh, I got to go up and have some lunch with my family. Um, and then probably have a pretty light afternoon. Usually Friday afternoons is uh checkout time. So we'll, <laughs> Well, uh, I've gotten enough work done this morning. I can probably just relax the rest of the afternoon, which will be awesome. Cool, man. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for your time away from your family. Much appreciate you. Of course, Keep man. up your work. Keep at it. Stay strong. And uh, do. I, I feel like I haven't finished this conversation, but we won't go into it now. Yeah. I feel like there's more questions coming your way. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> if you ever... Yeah, I'm I'm always open. So if you just 
shoot, shoot me a message if, or, or, you know, whenever we can do another one, we can just, if you just want to talk, we don't even have to do it in the podcast if you want. Um, whatever, man, I'm here. Okay, cool. Scott, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. it. Have a good day. You yep. too. Bye. Bye, man. Wow, that was good. Enjoy that one.